Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Christmas very, very special time, right? I mean, it's, it's special because of what it means from the Bible, but it's also special because of all the memories that we have, right? In our, our country, our culture, the things that we do. And one of the things that, that many people do, a lot of people don't, it wasn't actually in my upbringing, uh, but that uh, people have Christmas Eve services, right? And we've had one for years. We are not having one this year because of the pandemic and uh, various factors there. But we do want to let you know that next Sunday morning is for us Christmas Sunday, okay? And we are going to incorporate in our Christmas Sunday the things that we do normally on a Christmas Eve, okay? It won't be candlelight, but we will have candles. And uh, we will also do it, we always do, we read the Christmas story and we sing all the carols that are connected with that as part of our service. So we will incorporate that next uh, week to help keep Christmas a special time for all of us. Now, when you think of Christmas though, and you think maybe from the time you were little uh, or maybe something still special to you today, what kinds of images come to mind? What kinds of things do you associate with Christmas? When you think Christmas, what kinds of things Come to mind. Yeah? Family gatherings. Family gatherings. Everett? Snow. Snow. No, no. Yeah, well, right. <laughs> White Christmas, we know. Yes, Deb? Anticipation of the kids. Antici- right, as a kid. Oh, boy. Are you looking forward to Christmas? Yeah, she is. That's right. Yes? Singing happy birthday to Jesus. Singing happy birthday to Jesus. We typically do that in our household with the grandkids, and I think we did with our kids some, too. Somebody else, what do you associate with Christmas? What kinds of things, images, or, or activities, or feelings, or? Food, that's right, we heard food, yes. Yes, what is your Christmas dinner, your main meal of the day, Christmas? Is it breakfast, or supper, or what? And what do you eat? Roast beef, and in the middle of the day, okay, cool. Somebody else? Barry? Oh, cinnamon rolls, I heard. Cool. Giving of gifts. Yeah, giving of gifts. I, I really enjoy that. Yeah. Well, for us, and by the way, the meal for us is, is, you know, it goes back to my roots. It's biscuits and gravy. I mean, real gravy, not pretend gravy. <laughs> Anybody else? What do you have? Any images? Things that you associate with Christmas? Christmas trees? <laughs> yeah? The baby Jesus in the manger. We see the nativity scenes, don't we? Yeah. Well, how about lights? Christmas lights. It's kind of funny. This year we put up just a few Christmas lights on our house, and, and our neighbor put up a whole bunch, and our neighbor across the street put up a whole bunch of stuff, and we had fairly simple us. And, but somebody has created a list of lights in Leicester, and we got on that list somehow, which is funny. <laughs> and now we found out it's a contest. And I don't know how you win, but could you guys all go vote for us? No, <laughs> just kidding. But lights, Christmas lights. There's even little lights in this, this garland up here. Um, and the Christmas lights, uh, really, there's some biblical imagery with this idea of the light. Okay, and its opposite, darkness, that are in the Bible that... Uh, 
we can learn some things from and then be challenged about in our own lives. And so that's what we want to look at today, that out of darkness, the child of light comes, the Lord Jesus Christ, and, and the huge difference that makes. So let's go right to the scripture. Go to Luke chapter 2. If you're using the Bible in the chairs there, it's page 1180. Luke chapter 2. And the first part of this chapter is, is where we typically uh, read about, you know, the Christmas story, the, the manger, no room in the inn, the angels showing up to the shepherds. And we're going to pick up right after that, actually eight days after. Eight days after this event. So it's still very closely connected with the birth of Christ. So let's begin reading in verse number 21. It says, and when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, that's, that was the Jewish practice on the eighth day, they would circumcise the, the male children. Uh, the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him, they, Mary and Joseph, brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. And then in parentheses, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And they were to come and present him, and they did. And then verse 24, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And by the way, uh, this indicates that uh, Mary and Joseph were most likely pretty poor at this point. The wise men hadn't shown up yet with the gold and the frankincense and the myrrh. Uh, because this was the offering of the poor, okay? When you didn't have sufficient means to offer a lamb, you could offer these in place. And so his birth was, I mean, born in a manger, right? Okay, so let's continue. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the said, what, what? The consolation of Israel. That was a way of referring to the coming Messiah, the one who had been promised to come and to console them, in other words, to address their deep sorrow, their heaviness, their problems, okay? So he was uh, waiting for the Messiah to show up. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Now, we don't know how old he was, but he must have been old enough for this to be an issue, right? He's old enough you'd be thinking about it. Wait, can you know, I, I live long enough? The Holy Spirit somehow rather made him know, before you die, you're going to lay eyes on the Messiah. All right, so there he's in the temple. So the stage is set, the, day, the eighth day after Jesus' birth, the Mary and Joseph come to the temple, to uh, make the offerings, the appropriate offerings in their, their religious practices. And Simeon is there as well, who is waiting for the Messiah. Okay. Verse 27. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. In other words, the Holy Spirit leads him into the temple at this time. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he, uh, Simeon, took him up in his arms. He saw him and somehow God caused him to know this is the one. 
And he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant, talking about himself, you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples. And he describes him, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. So the very first term that he uses to describe the Messiah, Jesus, the Son of God, is what? A what? A light. Okay? And it's interesting, right here from the very beginning, a light to bring revelation to the Jewish people. Now you're looking at me and not at your Bible. Is that what it says? A light to bring revelation? No, to the Gentiles. That means the whole world as well as his glory. And glory we usually associate with light and brightness. The glory of your people Israel. So it is both. But from the very beginning, this first description of Jesus after his birth by someone like Simeon is that he is, has come for the whole world. That was such good news. Because the Jewish people struggled with that. In the Old, Old Testament, there were multiple times where God talks about they were to declare his glory to the, the Gentile nations, and they're kind of, yeah. <laughs> they struggled with that because they were God's people, and those Gentiles, they, they were not good people, and largely that was true. Okay? But Jesus has come for the whole world, and he is described as a light. Now we get some enlightenment about that if we go back to Matthew chapter 4. This is a little later in his ministry, but it's very early in Jesus' ministry. Matthew chapter 4, it's page 1114 in the Bible in the chairs there. Matthew 4, let's start in verse number 12. Jesus has just come from his time of temptation in the wilderness and saying, uh, you know, being faithful to God and really earning the right to be our Savior. Verse 12, it says, Now when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, talking about John the Baptist, he departed to Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea in the regions of Zebulun and Naphtali. So those were the two tribes of Israel. And this is their region, Capernaum. Capernaum is on the very north end of the Sea of Galilee. So let's continue reading. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, the land of Zebulun, by the way, Isaiah writing some 700 plus years earlier, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the, what's the next word? Galilee of the Gentiles. Again, we have this here. This is significant because we have, have the nation of Israel. You know, it's not very big. It's not much bigger than Massachusetts, if you were to tip Massachusetts up like this. And uh, down south in the mountains is Jerusalem. I'm trying to make this map for you. Here we go. Jerusalem. And, and down here, the Dead Sea. And, and then the Jordan River coming up. And at the top up here is the Sea of Galilee. And on the top of that was um, uh, Capernaum. Okay, right by the way, right, Darlene? Brandon, we've been there, haven't we, Glenda? Isn't that cool? All right, so, uh, and then on this side, up here, this direction, was Gentile territory. 
The Gentiles had control of this. And this is why this is called uh, of, the, you know, of the Gentiles. Okay? So this is where he's gone, and he's fulfilling a prophecy by doing that. By the way, Capernaum is also where Peter lived. We've seen the house that he lived in, what's left of it, which means Jesus stayed there. But anyway, verse 16 says, The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. It's still quoting from Isaiah. It's a loose quote. It's like a paraphrase quote. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But there in verse number 11, they've seen a great light. You know, the light has dawned. So again, Jesus coming, Jesus' ministry associated with light. Now, um, the reason this is such a big deal is because the world is, when we're thinking, we're thinking imagery here, light and dark, okay? Not so much daytime and nighttime, right? We're thinking more imagery. What does light represent and what does darkness represent? And, and this light really matters because of what the darkness represents. So let's, let's go back in our Bibles and take a look and see where does this imagery of darkness come from? And what's underneath it? What's behind it? What's causing it? So go back to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 1. By the way, we're getting into this is the kind of thing I like to do. I've got to figure out how to do it more. Sit and open the Bible and walk, work through it and talk through it. And I uh, love to do this. Genesis chapter 1. By the way, it's on page 1 in the Bible that's there in the chairs. And it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. So God creates light here. But look at the context it's in. Verse two again. In the beginning, God creates heavens and earth, but here it says the earth was without form and void. That means it hasn't been shaped yet, right? God has created the elements. He's created however, whatever that was exactly like, but he had not formed it yet. He had not shaped it. He had not done his work in it. And what is associated with that? What's it say? The earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. And I, so I say to you, this is the very first mention of darkness in the Bible. And what we see it immediately connected to is disorder. God has, it's not been ordered by God. It's just in disorder. Okay, and darkness was there. And so we're not talking about sin. It wasn't sinful, but yet it had not been ordered and all put in place by God. Now, when we think of darkness in the world, we'll talk more about this, but when we think of darkness in the world, spiritual darkness are places which have not been ordered by God. And I don't mean ordered, commanded. I mean put in order, put in place. The, the places of spiritual darkness, people are not saying, oh yes, we're submitted to God. We, we, we surrender to, they aren't saying that. It's out of order. 
It's out of the proper order. It's not in the right way. Okay, so that's the first place we, we see darkness. Now let's go to chapter 3. In chapter 3, uh, it doesn't talk about darkness, but it tells us why there's darkness. In chapter 3, we get the story of where Adam and Eve chose to disobey God. And the moment they chose to disobey God, they, they died spiritually. They became dead to God as far as being able to have that direct connection with him. Uh, their, their soul, their mind, their will, emotions began getting corrupted by that. And their body began the process of eventually dying. All of these things. And then God tells them, here's what you're going to experience because of sin and it's, it's referred to often as the curse of sin. So let's look at it. Verse 16. To the woman, to Eve, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. You're going to want something from him, but his tendency is going to be to rule over you. And as we see that fleshed out, that uh, men tend to rule over their wives either by being dominant overly dominant or by being passive and ignoring. And either way, they're dominant. But here's the deal. The two relationships that women most naturally and most quickly look to for joy and satisfaction and fulfillment are going to be hard. Raising those children is going to be hard. Having that relationship with your husband is going to be hard. Okay? And so that's the result of you know, sin. And then this is the source of darkness of part of the darkness. Let's read on, verse 17. Then to Adam he said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife, and it doesn't say it, but it's in the context, instead of me, that's the real issue, because you've heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it, cursed is the ground for your sake, and toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life, both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the the herb of the field and the sweat, sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. That body of yours is going to die. And all along the way from here to there, when things are going to be hard. And just as that, the curse on the woman hits her in those places where she most, most naturally looks for satisfaction, same thing happens here for the man. Men, and I know this is these sometimes, you know, stereotypical, but remember, stereotypes come because there's truth there somewhere, okay, underlying truth. But men tend to look to what they can do, to their work, to what they can accomplish. That's natural for men to look to that for a sense of fulfillment and, and meaning and purpose. And God says, it's going to be hard. That which you're looking for is always going to be hard. It's not going to... You know, it's not going to do for you. And by the way, are these hard things? Are they things we wish weren't true? I mean, naturally, right? I wish they weren't true. But yet God in his doing this, it's, it's, there's goodness here because it, if I could really find perfect fulfillment in my job, I wouldn't be looking for God. All right? If you can find perfect fulfillment, everything that you need in human relationships, you wouldn't be looking for God. So God allows these things to remain 
to keep driving us to. There has to be something more. There has to be a greater reality here. There has to be something. And, and so he has allowed sin and the curse of sin, the, the very creation itself, as he talks about thorns and thistles and all of this stuff, the result of sin. And this is the source of all spiritual darkness. And so the prophecy that was fulfilled with Jesus goes back to Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 2 and where we find the world laying is this, that the people who walked in darkness, right? That's what we do. And those who dwell in the land of the shadow of death. In the world that is naturally, spiritually dark, the light of God is not embraced. And we're going to talk more about that, but let me say this. Have you noticed, I mean, and, and we have different personalities, we come from different places in life, and so sometimes people are more fearful than other people. They're just personalities, right? There's some of that. And so, you know, even Christians can find themselves kind of fearful about what's going on with the, with the coronavirus and what's going to happen and all that. But God challenges us, right? Fear not. That's what the angel said, right? They came, what? You'll be afraid. And so we have to deal with that. But do you understand that those who don't know Jesus, those who are in spiritual darkness still, they live constantly in the shadow of death. And it's a scary thing. I don't know if you've ever seen, I've seen people, I've seen people on the news talk like this, I've seen people write about it, all this kind of stuff, who if you happen to forget your mask when you walk into the store, they are mad at you. They are angry with you. Why? Because you're going to kill somebody. Now, I think we need to pay attention. But why, why do people react that way? It's because they have this what? This fear. Fear of death. Death is the worst possible thing that could happen to them, they think. And you know, really, they're probably right if they don't know Jesus as Savior. But you and I who know Jesus as Savior, death is not the worst thing that can happen to me. <laughs> the worst thing that could probably happen to me is if I'd turn away from the Lord and do my own thing the rest of my life. And then I can think of other physical things I don't want to happen to happen to me. But you understand what I'm saying? Dying is not the worst thing. In fact, dying solves a bunch of problems for me as a Christian and for you as Christians. But the, the, those who are living in darkness, and that's our world by nature, they live in darkness. They walk in darkness. They live in the land of the shadow of death. Now, Christmas time. Our Christmas carols, some of them, and I didn't look through all of them, but I just looked through some of them, have tried to capture this sense that the world is in darkness, okay? And so it came upon a midnight clear. Go ahead and put that up there. It says this. Yet with the woes of sin and strife, the world hath suffered long. Beneath the angel's strain have rolled 2,000 years of wrong. So this is talking about still coming up to today. And man at war with man hears not the love song which they bring. Oh, hush the noise. Ye men of strife, and hear the angels sing. She's talking about your, your world, you're in darkness, you're in under the curse of sin. Listen, listen to what God is saying to you. And then one line in O Holy Night, long lay the world in sin and error, pining, longing for something different, longing for a solution to this problem. Now, the scripture is clear that, that darkness isn't getting better. <laughs> darkness is getting 
darker. Okay, in Isaiah chapter 60, verse two, it talks about that darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. And so as people live in darkness and in spiritual darkness and the longer they go, the deeper that darkness gets. Isaiah chapter eight says that they will see trouble and darkness, gloom of anguish, and they will be driven into darkness. Uh, when you are looking for, you know, <laughs> It's, it's kind of a country pop song. Looking for love in all the wrong places. That's right. Well, people are looking for life in all the wrong places. They're looking for light in all the wrong places. And they cannot find it. And so it gets worse. People all the time are making decisions that make their lives worse, right? That make them darker. Trying to somehow rather, you know... People oftentimes who get addicted to drugs have started taking those drugs trying to find an escape or a, a better feeling of euphoria or whatever. And, and does it make their lives better? No, it makes them darker and harder. All right. And so this is where the world is at, apart from the Lord. Okay? Darkness. And we really need to remember that. It's a dark place out there, folks. It really really is. There's, they don't have the Lord. They don't have any hope. They don't have any help. It's dark. Unless God does something. Let's go to the Gospel of John, chapter 1. John, chapter 1. That is page 1220 in the Bible that's in the chairs there. No hope, just darkness. John chapter one, verse one, in the beginning. Hey, that sounds familiar. We read earlier. In the beginning was the word. Let's jump down to verse 14 real quick. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So who are we talking about? Yeah, the son of God, okay? The second person of the Trinity, the son of God, the word of God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God and the word was God, okay? So there is a distinction between the two of them, the son of God and the father, but they are also both God. There's one God. All right, so let's, let's talk Trinity again just to remind ourselves. How many gods do we bow down to? One. one. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one, okay? By the way, they say that three times, I think, there. Anyway, so he's one. How many persons does God exist as? Three. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So, one God? One God? Three persons? Which is it? Yes. <laughs> right? I mean, it's, it's, it, it is challenging to understand, but it's quite clear here. By the way, if, if that last... It, it, in the Greek language, it follows very closely until the last phrase of that verse. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Greek language says, and God was Word. All right, and what's interesting in the Greek language, other language, Spanish is like this, and other, but the word endings tell you what part of the sentence it is, if you were going to diagram the sentence. And there, in most sense, we have a subject and a verb and a predicate, right? 
uh, maybe an object, a direct object or whatever. And so uh, normally you'd have subject with one ending. In this case, it would be in English OS. And then the uh, direct object would be O-N. But it says here, God was word. God is in the subject form and word is in the subject form. Oh, yeah. No, it says word was God. No, that's right. God was word. I'm sorry. So when they both have the same endings and they put this was in here, that's an equal sign in the Greek language. That's how that works. God equals word. Word equals God. Okay. That's our little doctrinal lesson along the way here. All right. Just because I can't help myself. Verse 2. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Okay, so the world is dark. Deep down in the spirits of men, they are dead spiritually. It is dark. But Jesus is what? He brings life, which is light for them. And what does light do to darkness? Light dispels darkness. Turn on a light in a dark room and darkness, half the room doesn't stay dark, right? Light goes in and dispels. And that's what the next verse really tells us. It says, and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. And, and when we, this word here, comprehend it, what are we trying to say? It's the idea of this, it's comprehensive. Can you think of the word comprehensive? If you get comprehensive insurance, what's it intended to do? to cover all of these things. If we have a comprehensive policy about something, it's intended to, what? Over, you know, cover all of these things. And what is said is the light can't, or the darkness can't do that to the light. The darkness can't keep the light covered away. No, light dispels the darkness. So this is good news, see? The world is dark, but God sends his son who is life, and that life is the light of Men. And, and you want to think about this. This change that occurs, is in, is we, we'll talk again about this in a minute, but that changes. And, and Jamie, you can appreciate this. This is like being blind and all of a sudden being able to see. And, and I know you don't know yet, but you look forward to it, right, Jamie? That's right. He's going to see Jesus first. That's so cool. But it changes everything. If you're blind right now and all of a sudden you could see, and see, that would change everything in your life, wouldn't it? Okay, it would change everything. So God powerfully enters the picture here. And this changes everything. And so Jesus talks about this later in John chapter 8 and verse number 12 when it says, Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And what do we see as the natural situation? People walking in darkness, okay? And later he says this, I have come as a light into the world. Go ahead and go to that if you would, Barry. I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes me should not abide in darkness, should not remain in darkness, should not be sitting in darkness anymore. That's not his intention for us. It's not his will for us. And again, the Christmas carols have tried to capture this, what God has done. Enjoy to the world. The curse he refers to, no more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. 
And hark the herald angels sing. It talks about God and sinners reconciled, light and life to all he brings. Born that man no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. And then, O holy night, a whole verse to this, led by the light of faith serenely beaming with glowing hearts by his cradle we stand, so led by what word? Light, God shedding light, light of a star, sweetly gleaming. Here come the wise men from Orient land. The king of kings lay thus in lowly manger in all our trials, in all the effects of darkness in our world, born to be our friend. Silent night, glory stream from heaven afar. Heavenly hosts sing alleluia. So glory is again this brightness of God. Heavenly hosts sing alleluia. Christ the Savior is born. Son of God loves pure light. Radiant beams from thy holy face with the dawn. All, these, all this imagery of light, right? Coming when Jesus came. With the dawn of redeeming grace. Jesus Lord at thy birth. So if you remember when we looked at Isaiah 9-2 and I showed you, it talked about those who walked in darkness, those who sat in the region. Here's the whole verse. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. This is good news, isn't it? And so this is great news. And so we, we see it on the, we see in the Christmas carols, we see it on the Christmas cards we get, right? Uh, we hear it here and there, depending where you're looking. Uh, it's more than Santa, right? It's more than all these other things that we talked about today that we love about Christmas. If you got rid of all those, you'd still have this. This is the best by a long shot. So what about us in our lives then? See, this isn't just big generic darkness, light. No, this is about people, isn't it? It's about me, it's about you, it's about all the individuals of the world who start off in darkness. But when Jesus comes, we receive Christ, it all changes, like the blind man who can now see. So, four things I want you to remember this morning. Four things, first one is this. Remember where you came from and be humble, grateful, and glad. Because where did you come from? You were not born knowing Jesus as Savior. Now you might have learned about him from the earliest days of your life, but you were born with a spiritually dead, your spirit was dead to God. There was darkness deep inside of you. And that affected you. It affected how you looked at life. It affected about what you thought was most important, which, by the way, was you. It affected all those things, that darkness. But if you know Jesus is Savior, you aren't there anymore, are you? Ephesians chapter 5 says this, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. That's what happens when you get saved, right? You were light in the Lord. And then Colossians elaborates on that. It says that he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of his son, of the son of his, excuse me, in his love, in whom we have good news, redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. But here we were, before this, we were in the kingdom of darkness, in the kingdom of Satan, under his 
sinful power, all of that in our lives. And that moment we got saved, God pulled us out of there and he put us into his kingdom, which is, is love and life and light, right? And, and because of what he did for us, dying for our sins on the cross, that we can have every sin forgiven the moment we receive Christ. And, and the point is deep down inside then, whereas from the moment we were actually conceived, the Bible tells us, and born and lived and there was darkness deep inside. But now when we receive Christ, he moves in and his life, he gives us his life and his life, as John said, is the light of men. There's light deep down inside now. It's down there. And we begin this process of God letting that work out into our lives. And this is the gospel. You know, if you're here today and you're trying to say, wow, I, you know, I never really understood this before. I'm kind of getting it now. There you're watching and it's the same thing. Here, here's where you're at. If you've never settled this issue by making a conscious, purposeful decision to place your faith in Christ as Savior, then your deepest nature is still in darkness and you're lost and you can't fix that problem yourself. And if you die in that condition, you will be forever in that situation. And one of the ways hell is described with imagery is outer darkness. And that would be forever. But this very moment, if that's you, you can right now say, oh God, I, I see it, I understand it. The, best I can. I, I believe Jesus is, is your son who died for my sins and rose again. And right now, I place my faith in Jesus. I give up trying to place my faith in my religious works or my good works or that I'm better than somebody else or whatever. I'm going to put all of my faith only in Jesus for the forgiveness of my sins. And you can do that right now. Just do it. Say it to God right now in your heart, your mind. Mean it. If you did that, and all of us who have done that, the moment we did it, what happened? Every sin forgiven. Every sin that we ever have or ever will commit, forgiven. We receive eternal life, and, and then God himself moves in, and this is what we're talking about, life, light. Deep down inside, he comes in and begins working his way outward in our lives in good ways, okay? So remember where you came from. Peter said it like this, we should be proclaiming the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Second thing, don't turn back to the ways of darkness, but live purposefully in the light. You know, Paul says in 2 Corinthians, he says, what communion is light with darkness? All that stuff that goes along with darkness in the world and the spiritual darkness, walk away from it, right? Light and dark don't go together. It doesn't make sense for us to, to have them together. Um, Ephesians, Paul says this, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord, so what? Walk as children of light and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Be open about what's right and wrong here. Now, I, I know the challenge comes, uh, is the idea, well, Walt, it's not all black and white, you know. Well, I, I agree with you on that. It's not all black and white, but so let's talk about this. So we have this idea of black. Those are the things that we know are ugly and wrong and they're darkness and don't belong, right? And then we have white, 
because we're using this imagery, that is all the things that are good and right and holy and pure. And then what do we, how do we describe the area that we think is in the middle? Gray. Well, wait a minute. Gray is, includes black, doesn't it? Huh. So can I challenge you today? Just remember this. Say, if it's black, just step back. Okay? If it's white, walk in the light. Go for it. If it's gray, stay away. <laughs> stay away. Seriously. Look in your life. If it turns out that something you thought was gray and you stayed away was actually white, God will say, good job caring about this. You know, he promises anything that we actually give up to follow him. He promises that in the life to come and in this life, you will be blessed for having made that choice. So please, in your life, if it's gray, just stay away from it. Stay away, okay? Third thing, reach out to those who are still in darkness so they may find light and light in Christ, just like you have. Your relatives who don't know Christ are in darkness, headed for eternal darkness. Your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors, the people that you cross paths with who don't know Jesus are in darkness. Aren't you glad you aren't? Aren't you glad you aren't? All right, share it. Be open. And I get it, like Mel said, it's a challenge and it can be hard. But let's keep pushing ourselves. Let's keep saying, God, help me. I want to reach out. And this was the assignment God gave to the Apostle Paul and to us, verse 26 of Acts, uh, yeah, Acts something. He said, no, go back. Thank you. For you, no, there's one more. There you go. Thank you. He's, God says to Paul, I now send you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those, that's you and me, who are sanctified by faith in me. That is our challenge. So let's be mindful as we go through this Christmas season that there are people around us who, if nothing else, let's, let's be light. Let's shed light and let's, let's be open as far as God gives us the opportunity. And maybe it's all the way with somebody to explain the whole gospel. But let's be that. And so finally, when I think about this darkness and light and, and all that goes along with that and the change that he made and why I'm so glad. and all this, Do we have any reason to celebrate at Christmas? From the depths of your heart, you should celebrate. And the band is coming back up. And we're going to end today celebrating, singing, uh, uh, what's it called? Angels. Angels we have heard on high. And the, the uh, words, glory to God in excelsis Deo. Glory in excelsis Deo means glory to God in the highest glory. The highest glory belongs to him. And so let's celebrate by singing this together today. Let's stand and, and sing. <laughs>